I think human beings all want level 10 success in every area of life. We want we want to be level 10 parents, level 10 spouses, level 10 health, level 10 happiness, level 10 financial security. That's an innate drive and desire within every human being to self-actualize and experience the best life has to offer. So at that time in my life, 2008 ago, I want level 10 success. But then the next question is, well, if my level of success won't exceed my level of personal development, what's my level of personal development? It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors. Infuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the Amplify Podcast with Renee Rodriguez. All right, everybody, we are gonna be treating this like a podcast as well, so it's gonna be an interview. Make sure you're muted so you don't uh, ruin the podcast when I say that with a <laughs> smile. But we're gonna be treating this as podcast and, and a conversation. Uh, I was introduced to Hal, I mean, years ago when, when he wrote his book, and we've, we've shared several stages together. Miracle Morning book, I mean, something that I think it's, it's caught the eye of millions and millions of people, and lots of people that I know have changed their lives because of it. But I think the story behind what Hal has created is is what makes it so powerful, but he has re revised the book. And this is the launch of the new revision. That is the only pitch here. When I say pitch, it's the only thing I'm offering. I'm not selling a product at the end of this. This is literally 100% to just promote Hal and, and the good work that he's done in the world, thenewmiraclemorning.com and get that there. So Hal, first and foremost, welcome. It is so fun to be able to do this to get together with you. You've, you've affected millions of lives and I'm excited for those who don't know you to get the chance to know you and those that do to get a chance to see what's new. So Hal, how are you, my man? Renee, man, I'm, uh, it's funny, I'm, I'm excited, but I always like to be transparent, which is, it's, uh, it's also stressful. There's like 17 things I've got to get done today that aren't yet done. So uh, getting all that done, but, but overall, this book is, you know, 11 years since the original book published. And uh, I've long wanted to do an updated and expanded edition and the new edition, which I've got it right here in case you haven't seen it. And there's somebody sent me a poster of it too. I don't know who even sent me that. 70 new pages of content. So it really is uh, an updated and expanded edition. And it's everything that I've learned over the last 11 years of doing the Miracle Morning and listening to thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and getting feedback and questions from what, what have they done that was different and better than I did? And how have they evolved their Miracle Morning and what questions do they have and, and so on and so forth. So- I love that. For those that don't know, let's go back and let's talk about, I mean, tell a little bit about your story. I mean, you died and came back to life and I'll let you fill in the back. That's a Tarantino. You died <laughs> and came back. I'll let you go re re reverse go engineer there. what happened. Um, yeah. So, you know, something that part of my story that I've only recently started sharing because I wasn't even aware, it was like it was in my subconscious, how it impacted the, my entire life. Uh, when I was eight years old, I woke up to my mother screaming from her bedroom across the hall, screaming, oh, my baby, my baby. And at first, as I woke up, I thought she was playing with my baby sister, Amory. And then I sensed the terror in her voice and I ran across the hall and uh, she was performing mouth to mouth resuscitation and CPR on my 18 month old baby sister. And um, my sister Amory died that morning of heart failure. She was born oh. with a very rare heart condition and she was in the hospital a lot, but we, we thought she was going to live and she passed away that morning. And within about six months, my mother was leading a support group for other parents who had lost children. And my dad was leading a fundraiser to raise money for the hospital that tried to save my sister's life. 
And at eight years old, I didn't understand that consciously. But looking back, I realized that their experience, how they responded to adversity and taking their pain and finding purpose, turning their their you know their tragedy into triumph, helping other people, that paved the way for how I would respond to my adversity in the future. And then you fast forward 12 years and you just said it, I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 80 miles an hour. Uh, I broke 11 bones and I was clinically dead at the scene of the accident for approximately six minutes without a heartbeat and rushed to the hospital in a helicopter, brought back to life. And six days later, I came out of a coma to be told I would never walk again. And within a few weeks, I told my dad, dad, if I never walk again, I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair. Because I've decided I will not let this circumstance that's out of my control dictate my my emotional well-being. And for all of you, I want you to consider that right now. Everybody here has got challenges in their life. And we've been falsely conditioned to believe that we're supposed to feel the way that the things outside of us are happening, right? Meaning when bad things happen, I feel bad. I have no control over that. And it's not my fault. It's because I lost that. They said that. This happened or didn't happen. And, and then we're conditioned to think, well, when good things happen, that's when I'm allowed to feel good. And I want to I wanna invite you all to consider that no matter what happens, you actually, if you take ownership of your mental and emotional well-being, you can decide to be the happiest and the most grateful you've ever been, even in the midst of the most challenging circumstances of your life. The two are not mutually exclusive. And you fast forward 17 years after I was in my car accident, about a year, eight, seven years ago. I was diagnosed with a rare aggressive form of cancer and given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. And I had a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. So being told that I was probably going to die. And by the way, I was on death's doorway. They found out I had the cancer because my heart was failing, my lungs were failing, and my kidneys were failing. And this particular cancer is a blood cancer that shuts down your organs, usually in a matter of weeks. And the day that I was diagnosed with cancer, of course, I was scared that I was going to die. Uh, and we can actually get into, Renee, how I believe the miracle morning saved my life. I think we should loop back to that at some point. But sure. my wife was even more terrified, right? I, I have, I have, I've been through a car accident. I've been told I'm not going to walk again. Like, I, I know that I, I, I believe that we can all defy what other people are telling us is possible or not possible. That's a deep-seated belief I have. My wife, though, was terrified. And I said, sweetheart, I said, there's two things I want. I want to try to put your mind at ease. Number one. Don't listen to the doctor's statistic. The 20 to 30% of those that survive, that's of people that give up hope. That's people that eat unhealthy. That's people that write that, that don't that don't do everything in their power to survive. I'm not that person. In my mindset, there's a 100% chance that I will be among the 20 to 30% of those that survive this cancer. And I want you to consider that. The economy right now is crashing, right? You can either let the economy defy, you know, oh, well, this percentage of people in my industry don't make it. So therefore I might not make it. No, it's this percentage do make it. And there's a 100% chance that you can and will be in whatever statistic you choose. Nobody else chooses your statistic, you choose. And I said, the second thing, sweetheart, is I will be the happiest and most grateful I've ever been while I endure the most difficult time in my life. And it was the most difficult time in my life, but I chose to be happy. I chose to be grateful. I chose to be at peace with what I couldn't change and focus all my energy on what I could. And so those are three big stories that uh, I hope all of you can pull at least one lesson out of what I just shared and apply it to the challenges that you're facing now, that you've faced in the past or that you might face in the future. You know, what I love about that, there's a concept, you know, me, my background in, in behavioral neuroscience really means that I spent most of my 
work in statistics and, and math and, mm-hmm. and looking at that. And when you're looking at scientific studies, you're looking at the statistics, the probability of things, but then there's a concept called confounding variables that can ruin a study. Mm. And you just basically said you're a confounding variable. If I do nothing and I lose hope, but I do what everyone else does, I'll fall on that statistic. Yep. But I can confound that. I can be a confounding variable by having hope, doing the things that I need to do and all that sort of stuff. I love that idea of that energy of focusing on what you can control and that which you have. Those yep. two pieces, those two decisions, I think are, are powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I agree. And I think you know, back in 2020, as a father, as a human, right, I was asking what you probably are, which is what's going on, you know, life feels kind of out of control. What should I be focusing on right now? And what I realized is that when we focus on that, which is out of our control, we feel out of control. And that leads to anxiety and stress and fear and depression. And, and in 2020, that which is out of our control was like in our face, right? It's like, you know, it's yeah. like, wait, I can't control the, the these lockdowns. I can't control this virus. I can't control my crazy aunt and uncle posting this mean things on my Facebook page because we don't agree, you know? Um, there was so much that was out of our control. And what I realized, honestly, for me, is I went, okay, so what can I control? And to me, there's really only one thing that we can all control, and it's ourselves. There's number one is who we become every day. And how we show up for ourselves, the people we lead, love and the people that we lead. And so for me, my quick decision was I've got to double down on my miracle morning, on my self-care. I've got to focus on becoming the best version of myself in the midst of these unprecedented times. So I can show up for my kids, show up for my wife, show up for my community, for my family and show up for myself at my best. And so to me, you know, that, that for all of us, that no matter what's going on outside of you, how can you optimize you and show up at your best no matter what 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 uh, what the circumstances are in your life? I, I always warn people around the concept of cliches because mm. these are things that you hear so often, like the serenity prayer or what control what mm. you can control. And we hear it so often that we build a callus to it. Yep. But yet when everything comes down to it, at the end, the people that are winning and, and succeeding outside of the circumstances that are happening they go back to those basics. And I think that the the answers to life are found in cliches and they're cliches totally. because they're so fundamentally true. And the first time you heard them, it was mind blowing. And then everybody used it. And I think cliches were the first viral content back then. And so everyone's like, wow, this is such a strong statement that it just went viral. And then when it goes viral, it loses its impact. And so I want you guys to listen to the decisions that he made at his worst moments were the defining moments of who he was. And it's, it's, even if I'm in a wheelchair, I'm still going to be happy. It wasn't conditional. It wasn't, there was zero in your, what I'm hearing, there was zero condition in your choice to be happy. It was no matter what happens, I'm going to be whatever cards I'm dealt, I'm going to play them. And I think so many people say, well, he survived or C4. It's easy. No, he was, it's easy to be happy. No, he was happy. And I'm guessing that's why he survived. And it's, there's, we have to switch that around where we have to make that choice first. And the, there, I heard this recently too, around the decisions. One, of course, what we can, we can't control. The other decision is what I have or what I don't have. And then third is what time period do I focus on, on the past, the present or the future? And if I focus on what I don't have, that which I cannot control and anything in the past or the future, I am in a miserable state. Yeah. And the most powerful thing you just said was and the media loves to put in our face all of the problems around that which we cannot control. It's constant. They love putting in our face things that totally. we can't control because they control us emotionally that way. And then that way they can guide our behavior. 
I mean, how this is this is one nugget after another, and I, I'll get my explosions to work here in a second. Every time you drop <laughs> one, I'll just drop one of those. Keep going on that story because I want I want to I want to get to how how the book came to life and in, in and I want to get into what the miracle morning is specifically is, when you well, get to that. yeah and and what's new I'll share with you. But so so I'm going to share with you the fourth story, right? So there's a story sandwiched in between all of those, right? So there was my sister's death, there was my car accident, and then there was cancer. But in 2008, there was the United States economy just crashing. And I'm a delusional optimist, right? Or at least I was back then. I'm much more of a realist now. But back then it was like, I, no fear. I create my own economy. You know, friends are going, are you concerned with the, you know, the, the recession? I go, no, I'm not. You know, I don't watch the news and on and on and on. It was a very real thing. I lost, I was a coach and over half of my clients quit because they couldn't afford coaching because their industries were affected by the economy. And so in a six month period, I lost over half of my income. I couldn't pay my bills. My house was foreclosed on by the bank. I went from being a Dave Ramsey student where I was, you know, paid off the credit cards every month to accumulating $52,000 in personal credit card debt over six months. And I was really depressed. I was, I was scared. I, I was, I was starting to get hopeless. I didn't know what to do. And uh, a series of events led me to listen to a Jim Rohn quote that changed my entire life. And I'm going to share the quote with you all because I think it's important to reiterate. Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. Mm. And you may have heard that before. And I had heard it before, but it landed differently. And I quantified it. And here's what it, here, here's how I, here's how I received it. I went, okay, wait a minute. My level of success will seldom exceed my level of personal development. Well, what level of success do I want? And I want you to all consider this for yourself. I think it's the same for everybody. I think human beings all want level 10 success in every area of life. We want, we want to be level 10 parents, level 10 spouses, level 10 health, level 10 happiness, level 10 financial security. That's an innate drive and desire within every human being to self-actualize and experience the best life has to offer. So at that time in my life, 2008 ago, I want level 10 success. But then the next question is, well, if my level of success won't exceed my level of personal development, what's my level of personal development? And let me define that for y'all. To me, your level of personal development is it's what is the what are the practices, rituals, or routines you have in place every day to develop yourself into the person that you need to be that's capable of creating and sustaining the levels of success that you want in every single area of life. And at that time in my life, I was barely hanging on. And I remember thinking my level of personal development is like at a two, like maybe a three or a four on a good day. And I believe this is the disconnect for the majority of society is we all want level 10 success, but unless you're a miracle morning practitioner, right? I know some of you are, but most people don't have a level. Oh, you got it. She um, just handed it to me right now, by the way. It just came in the mail. So amazing. So excited. Uh, so cool. But if you don't have a level 10 personal development ritual, you're not going to create the success that you want. And so for me, the epiphany was I'm going to go study what the world's most successful people do for their personal development. I'm going to assemble the most effective personal development ritual ever, you know, theoretically, and so that I can quickly develop myself into the level 10 person that I need to be to create the success that I want. And I'll, I'll, I'll close out the story by saying this. I gave myself a year. Within one year of doing this morning practice, I could turn my life around. And it happened in less than two months. In less than two months, at the height of the Great Recession in 2008, as the economy was tanking, I more than doubled my income from day one of the Miracle Morning, and it wasn't even called that yet, I'll get to that in a second, to two months, two month mark. And I went to my wife in the hallway. I can picture the moment. I said, sweetheart, sweetheart, I just signed on two more coaching clients. She said, congratulations. That's great. We, I know we need that. I said, no, no, you don't understand. We've officially doubled our income since I started the morning routine. 
in two huh. months, I've doubled our income and the economy is crashing. I go, it feels like a miracle. She goes, it's your miracle morning. I go, I like that miracle morning, you know? It. And I didn't know it was gonna be a book. I started teaching it to my coaching clients. Most of them said, I'm not a morning person. Like many of you might be thinking, I'm not a morning person, Hal. I don't know if it'll work for me. I go, no, 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 neither was I. Here's how you beat the snooze button. Here's some tips and tricks. Come back to your call next, get to commit for two weeks. Come back to your next call, let me know. And 13 out of 14 of my clients came back and said, oh my gosh, I had the best week in my sales career. I'm running, I'm meditating, I'm exercising, I'm all on and on. They said, this miracle morning really works. And that's when the epiphany went, I went, if it worked for me, if the miracle morning worked for me and my clients and we weren't morning people, this could change anyone's life. I have a sense of responsibility to share this with the world. You know, and three years later, I self-published the book. Nobody knew who I was. And I've just on a mission ever since then for the last 11 years to keep sharing it. And, you know, and that's where we, we landed on this new edition, which we can talk about later. Here's, here's what I love is I like, I like application, right? Mm. That's my, 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 my brain is always around. Okay. What does this mean to me mm. today? I get off this call. What am I going to do? So I heard two things. One is we all want success, but your success will never succeed, supersede the level of personal development. So then I go, okay, well, what does personal development mean? And you gave me something that is even right now, which like, it's not like I don't know this stuff, but you, you made a click for me. Personal development is compared directly to your routines mm. and your daily habits. And so then it's like, I mean, it's so simple, but then I'm saying, okay, so what's, I can't control success, nor can I control personal development. I can control my daily habits. So 100% of my energy should be focused on my daily habits. And you're giving us a blueprint to do this. And if you're thinking about this, does Hal say this is the only one and only? No, but this is a damn good one to start with. And yeah. this is something that I think can incorporate. And what I love about your Miracle Morning is that it doesn't, it's 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 not mutually exclusive. Just because you have other routines doesn't mean you can't do this. It doesn't replace, this is one of those things that is just fundamental in so many areas. And so that's my aha that I'm having right now. It's like, I want success, then I got to continue personal development. But personal development means, am I doing as good as I can on my routines? And what in the world now? Is there a morning routine? Sounds like there is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I think it's a good opportunity. I'll, I'll share. I usually share this little story I'm about to share at the end of when I teach the savers, but I think it's going to be good on the front end. And it's Robert Kiyosaki. Raise your hand if you are a fan or you know who Robert Kiyosaki is, rich dad, poor dad author. So um, I got to speak at an event that Robert was the headliner and I was his warm up act. This was like 2015, I think. Right. And I got to have dinner with him and, and the, the event founders afterwards. And I had a copy of my Miracle Morning, little self-published book under my desk, under the table, the dinner table. And I had signed it for him. But in my head, I'm just I'm, I'm having the voice of doubt and fear and insecurity. And I'm just talking myself out of it going, he's not going to read my little self-published book. He's worth like 80 million dollars. I think he's OK. I don't think he needs a morning book. Right. Yeah. But but then Wayne Gretzky's quote just entered my mind. You miss all the shots you don't take. I'm like, all right, got nothing to lose. So I wait for my chance. I give Robert the book. I figure he'll never read it, but whatever. I gave, I gave it a shot. Three weeks later, I get an email from his assistant. And she says, Robert has read The Miracle Morning three times. And that my jaw hit the floor right there. Like, what? <laughs> He's read my book three times in like the last few weeks? That's crazy. She said he's doing the Miracle Morning almost every single day with his wife, Kim, and it is transforming his life. He wants to have you on Rich Dad Radio. I was awesome. like, I mean, yeah, amazing. So I go on the rate, I go on his show and at the end of his show, so you're about to learn, I'm about to teach you all the Miracle Morning. It's made up of six practices that are organized by an acronym SAVERS, S-A-V-E-R-S. 
Silence after, and don't worry about writing all these down, I'll go slower, but silence affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And at the end of the interview, Robert said, Hal, before you wrote The Miracle Morning and you synthesized the savers, he said, every successful person on the planet swears by at least one of those practices and attributes their success to that practice, maybe two or three. He said, maybe it's the books they read or it's their meditation practice. He said, but I've never heard of anyone that's, that's done, that does all six of those practices, these ancient best practices every single day. And he said, yeah. I think you named the book correctly because if you do one of the savers, it'll change your life. But when you do all six, he goes, I'm experiencing miracles in my life, Hal. And I think it's because of these six practices. Renee, was there something you want to interject? No, I'm just, I'm just having, I'm just having more of these moments. Keep going. Okay. So you guys, let's dive through the savers. And I'm going to give you all some advanced <laughs> tips and strategies on these techniques, some of which was not in the original book. It's in the new book. Um, the first S in savers is for silence. And that's, again, your meditation or your prayer. Could be breath work as well. But you think about it. When do your best ideas and life-changing breakthroughs come to you? Do they come to you when you're staring at a computer screen, answering email on your phone, or do they come in periods of peaceful, purposeful silence? Maybe it's the shower. Maybe it's you're falling asleep at night. And those moments used to be baked into our lives, right? We didn't have this, this device has pretty much ruined that for us. Now, if, you know, you used to be waiting in a line in silence, having ideas lost in your head, on a train, on a plane. Now we're constantly bombarded with this technology. So starting your day with peaceful, purposeful silence. And there are over 1400 scientific studies that show the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual benefits of meditation alone. So for me, every day, I start my day with meditation and prayer. And I want to share with you the new practice that I teach in this book is what I call emotional optimization meditation. Raise your hand if you've meditated before by a show of hands. Have you ever tried meditating? All right. So it looks like most. Raise your hand if it's ever been challenging. Throw, throw the hand back up if it's ever challenging to quiet your mind, right? So for me, I'm really results oriented. You'll find that all the savers are very results oriented. With emotional optimization meditation, rather than just quiet your mind, that's, that's the first part of it, right? Is, you know, quiet your mind. Let your thoughts come in and out. But the most important part is where you actually ask yourself, what is the optimal mental and or emotional state for me to be in today to be at my best based on what's on my agenda, right? If you got a presentation, you might need to harness a state of confidence. If you are playing with your kids on Saturday, you might want to get in a playful, loving, joyful state. If you fought with your spouse for bed last night, you might want to get an empathetic, loving, forgiving state, right? So the point is you identify what your optimal emotional state is. And then I walk you through in the book, how do you get yourself in that state? And once you get into that state, you set your timer for five or 10 minutes. So instead of meditating where you're trying to clear your mind, what you're actually doing is you are hardwiring, creating neural pathways in your brain to hardwire your optimal mental and emotional states. And it's not just a one day thing where you do it and you have it for the day. As you do this consistently over time, you now literally change how you're wired. You change how you feel. Like my general state is bliss. That's my daily default state is bliss. I want to feel so peaceful and so happy in the midst of all the craziness that life throws at me. That is now my default state in my waking hours because I've reinforced it probably for hundreds of days now over the last few years during my miracle morning. But again, if I'm giving a 
presentation or a sales pitch or something, I'll get in a state of confidence playing with the kids. I, I utilize the state on a daily basis, but my default state, I generate every single day. And so that's emotional optimization meditation. And for me, that's become the most effective form of meditation that I've found. What, what I'm loving about this is not just silence, but it's intentional silence. It's mm, There's an intentionality it. behind it. And it's also performance-based for us business people that are here. That's very easy for, for business professionals to be like, dude, I don't have time to just be silent. I got to get shit done. Yep. And this is like, no, this is getting shit done. This is preparing. Yep. It's You're sharpening the ax before you chop the tree down. And you're you're entering the day. I think Abraham Lincoln said, if you had eight hours to chop down a tree, he'd spend six hours sharpening his ax. And this is that moment of saying, okay, I'm going to get very intentional of, of what tool in the bag, what emotional tool do I need today? Do I need to be confident? Do I need to be empathetic? I mean, imagine getting that wrong. I need to be a driver today, but your spouse needs you to listen and you just you just clash. And so there's a an intentionality around context, I think, that matters. And so I love the strategic nature of how it starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, you know, uh, I think part of the reason the Miracle Morning has done well over the years is because I don't do well with woo-woo. I don't just want to like, you know, count on if I just sit here in silence, things will magically change in my life. Like I'm very much got a little too left brain, I think, but I'm like, no, no, no. I really want this practice to be intentional and to generate a really positive ROI for the time I invest. And that leads really well into affirmations. This is my favorite, y'all. This is my favorite. I think affirmations are the, the most misunderstood and the most effective form of personal development. The you gotta, reason they are have to misunderstood- sell me on this one. You're going to have All to right. sell me on this one. I love it. I let's love go. it. Yes, let's go. Um, the reason they're misunderstood, number one, is because of Stuart Smalley in the 90s. In case you ever watched Saturday <laughs> Night Live, right? He would look in his mirror, that old-fashioned long mirror, and say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me, oh, right? So goodness. affirmations were kind of made a joke. But two of the reasons in the self-help personal development world that I think we've been misled, number one, lying to yourself doesn't work. At least it's not the most effective strategy. So we've been taught like, hey, if you're struggling financially, just make an affirmation that says, I am wealthy. I am wealthy. And then repeat it over and over until you believe it. There may be merit to that. It's probably better than saying I'm broke. I don't know though. The bottom line is the truth will always prevail. And if you are struggling financially and you say, I am wealthy and your brain, your subconscious goes, Dude, no, you're not. Your bank account balance is like negative right now. You're creating this unhealthy internal conflict. So that's the first problem is lying to yourself is never the optimal strategy. The second problem is that using flowery passive language that promises a magical result independent of any effort by you is counterproductive. I'll give you an example. You probably all heard this affirmation because for some reason it stood the test of time. It goes something like this. I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. Y'all know that's not how money works. Very few millionaires be like, oh yeah, how'd you, how'd you build a fortune? I just affirmed that I was a magnet for money and it flew into my life, right? So yeah. by the way, I, I do want to address why I believe that affirmation has stood the test of time. It's like taking an anti, like, like taking a drug, a shot of alcohol, where if you look at your phone, your bank account balance, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm overdrawn again. Oh, I need to do my affirmations because this feel this reality feels really painful. So then you go into your, I'm a money magnet. You go, oh God, that feels better. Money's going to flow into my life effortlessly and in abundance. Oh, that feels so much better 
than that reality of my bank account balance. But again, it's counterproductive because you're just tricking, you're giving yourself temporary relief without dealing with, you're dealing with the symptoms and not the problem. So I'm gonna give you all three steps right now to, and if you can write these down, to create practical, actionable, results-oriented affirmations. And by the way, I follow these affirmations, this formula for each of my roles and each of my goals. Meaning as a parent, as a husband, in terms of my financial goals, my health and fitness goals, here are the three steps. Step one, affirm what you're committed to. Affirm what you're committed to. And, and if you wanna jot down a template that says, I am committed to blank. And I like to add, no matter what, there is no other option at the end. I am committed to blank. No matter, And that could be an outcome or it could be an activity. So for example, it could be, I'm committed to losing 10 pounds by the end of this year, or I'm committed to running for 10 minutes a day, five days a week. Either way, you're directing your behavior toward a conscious, toward, toward, it, toward an end result, right? Toward an outcome that you want. Number one, affirm what you're committed to. Number two, affirm why it's a must for you. And that's where you're reinforcing, you're articulating the reasons that are so meaningful for you to follow through that commitment that even when you don't feel like it, even when you're not motivated, even when you're exhausted, right? You're, you're reminding yourself, oh yeah, I'm doing it for my wife or my husband. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it so we have financial freedom. I'm doing it. Whatever the reasons are for you, why is it a must? And number three, which specific actions you will take and when? Affirm which specific actions you will take and when. That is where the rubber meets the road, as they say. And if you only do the first two, it's better than nothing, but you're probably not gonna see great results. Because think about it, if you affirm, I'm committed to increasing my revenue by 30% next year, and I'm doing it because of these three reasons that are so important to me. But if you leave it at that, you might just keep doing the same things and reading affirmations, but nothing actually changes in your behavior. So that's step three is where you go, because I'm committed to that, and because it's so important to me, I'm, I'm going to do these things on these days of the week at these predetermined times. And here's the beauty of this formula. The only way you can fail is if you don't live in integrity with your word. Because if you live in integrity with your word, you know exactly what you're committed to, you know why it's a must, and you know exactly what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. Essentially, your success becomes inevitable. Sure, of course, you might fall short a little bit. You might, you know, things might not pan out the way you wanted, but the bottom line is if you live in alignment with what you're affirming every single day, you're gonna make massive progress toward whatever outcome you're committed to. Renee, anything to share? And then I will share with you a real life example of how this played out. Yeah, so so here's a one. I love that this is a very different take on affirmation. I, you know, I, I've also done the research on the the other, what I think people misunderstand affirmation and the effortless money. I think they, they start realizing that effort's bad. Effort's great. Effort's what things come from. Mm. It, it, it's okay that it's not effortless and it's okay that we put effort out. But I think that this is, this is action oriented. Affirm what we're committed to, affirm why it's a must. Here's my question around the specific actions and, and dates. So I'm listening to this and let's say that, because you know, because now there's an assumption underneath that, that I know where I'm going yeah. and I know yeah. what I want. What if I don't know is one question that we can come back yeah. to. And the second, 
there's another assumption that I have more of a strategic direction versus uh, tactical daily actions. And so if today I get up and I, I firm, I want to go this and I'm going to firm to do this, but I did those yesterday. Well, what do I firm today? So then it, you know, it, it, it might've gotten too granular or yep. maybe it's, I'm going to firm, which I'm going to work out six days, you know, five days a week uh, before I do 30 minutes of cardio before I, I consume any food or whatever that specific piece is. And I can, I can do that. How do you suggest getting clarity around the actions? I mean, yeah, yeah. First and foremost, if you don't know what to do when you when you draft your affirmations, and I talk about this in the book, but it's that the first thing that you do is schedule time to figure out what you need to do, right? So I will, you know, I'm going to dedicate 30 minutes a day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, to figure out how to start a business or how to write a business. Like, let's say you want to start a business, right? So you're like. I don't know what I got to do and when I got to do it. I'm, I'm figuring all this out. So the first thing that you affirm is it, you dedicate the time to figure it out. And maybe the very first day that you follow through that affirmation, you're literally Googling, uh, how do I write a book? How do I train for a marathon, right? How do I be a better spouse for, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the first thing. That's how, you know, you're starting out your first time that you're scheduling is figuring out what the first step is or the next step beyond that. And I then to your that. other point, um, yeah, it's typically, this is recurring activities, right? So it's exercising, you know, five days a week, 20 minutes a day. It's, I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I ran, when I was doing the miracle morning, uh, I got really, I got really obsessed with this concept of level 10 success. So I just started, I, I did the wheel of life, right? On a scale of one to 10, where am I in my health and my fitness and my finances and my happiness and my friendships and on and on and on. And then I, so I first assessed my will of life and I was, you know, like, oh man, I got a lot of room to grow. You know, I'm at a five here, a four here, a six here. Uh, and then the next question was, what is a level 10 goal that I can set this year? Meaning not, not what's the ultimate thing I could ever accomplish in my life, but on a scale of one to 10, what would be a huge stretch for me this year? What would really, it would challenge me, but it would excite me. And if I got to that goal or even close the gap, right, it'd be really fulfilling. That was my level 10 goals. And with fitness, I had two friends that had just run ultra marathons. They had just run ultra marathons. I hated running. In fact, raise your hand if you hate running. I still hate running to this day, okay? I still hate running. And it sounds weird that I committed to run an ultra marathon because I hated running. But it'll make sense. It'll help you. It'll give you context around the miracle morning. So I had two friends that had done it, so I knew it was possible, right? Okay, okay. If they did it, I could do it, right? And it's possible. I don't know how, but it's possible. And then what got me excited, for me, the miracle morning is all about becoming. I think we talked about that earlier, right? It's like, I want to become every day. I dedicate time to my miracle morning so that I can become a better version of who I was when I went to bed the night before, right? Through my savers practices. And so I thought, man, if I were to commit to run 52 consecutive miles when I've never run more than one, and that was back when I was in high school PE class and they forced it and I hated every second of it, right? I thought, who would I, right? Remember the whole, this is level 10 success. This is my level of personal development. I asked, who would I have to become to run 52 consecutive miles? I don't even know. I don't know that guy. I, I, I'm scared to even think about who that would be, but wow, how exciting to even see if that's possible. And so I committed publicly on my Facebook page and, you know, to friends and family that I would run money to raise money for this charity, that I would run the, the marathon. And my affirmations went like this. 
I am committed to completing 52 miles on October 29th, 2009. The reason it's a must for me is because I want to become the person who is capable of setting a seemingly impossible goal and achieving it so that I can accomplish every other goal I set for the rest of my life. So to follow through with that commitment, I will read the non-runners marathon trainer and I will follow the training plan to a T. That's it. If it wasn't for that affirmation formula, I don't think I would have complete, even committed to, let alone completed that 52 mile ultra marathon, you know, on October 29th, 2009. I, I, so you just did something. I just had another aha in terms of how to do that second piece and then affirm the why Jim Rohn had another quote. We love our Jim Rohn quotes here is he said, set a goal to be a millionaire, not for the money, but for what it forces you to become yes. to be them, to get the millionaire. And I think that that's what people miss is you set goals, not even to the achievement, but for what it forces us to become. And when you look at goal setting from that perspective, I, that answers for me the question that I was having. I was like, okay, so the why, because you get into the, the, the oh, I'm doing this for my family. And, and, and when you get into, you know, the why conversation, I, I've spent 20 years in this, it, it, it becomes a very easily deniable piece. So I survive. Well, Survival isn't a good motivator because we go into den denial about our mortality. So it, it doesn't really work. This this piece of saying, I'm doing this so I can become this person, that feels really tangible to me. And that feels very fresh in, in, yeah. in the sense of saying, because there's there's pieces of, of me that I, I go, man, I want to be more like the X. And so here's what I'm going to be committing to doing. And I'm doing this so that I can be that person. Like when I, I lost 102 pounds of fat over the last two years and the i i did it so i could tell a story that was the piece i just i want to be able to tell a story so i can finally be of integrity i can tell mm. all these great ideas and things but man i let my health go i want to be able to finally have that 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 credibility and that was that desire to be that piece that vision kind of kept me there i thought that that's really that's really powerful yeah let's get into visualization so visualization i think similar to affirmations is mistaught and, and to me, there's two crucial steps to visualization. And the second step to me is the most important and it's not taught so much. And here, here's what I mean. We've been taught to visualize the outcome and that's it, right? You know, make a vision board and put all the pictures of all the things that you want in your life. So you see them and you can ex be excited about them. There's value to that. But if that's all you do, you literally can trick your subconscious into thinking that it's a foregone conclusion. You know, you're like, oh man, I've seen the vision so much. I just know it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden you've lost the healthy fear and drive like, hey, I, I better actually make sure I'm doing the things. You can get overconfident if all you do is visualize the end result. So the second step to visualization that I think is far more important and impactful is you have to visualize yourself taking the necessary action today while in a peak mental and emotional state. I'll say that again. Visualize yourself taking the necessary action today while in a peak mental and emotional state. What does that look like? When I was training for the ultra marathon, again, hated running, still hate running. I, of course, ordered that book that I mentioned, The Non-Runner's Marathon Trainer, and I was reading that. And by the way, this is also a, a little sub lesson here in sequencing the savers. So I had already optimized my mental and emotional state during my meditation, right? So that's already been done. I've now done my affirmations that I just read to you around running that ultra marathon, what I was committed to, why it was a must, and which actions I was going to take and win. Now we're into the visualization. So here's what I would do. 
every morning when I got to the V in Savers, I would set my timer on my phone for the five minutes and I would close my eyes and I would picture through my own eyes, because this is a question I often get, which is like, do you visualize yourself like you're out of your body looking at your body? Or do you visualize that you're looking through your own eyes? The technique I prefer is through my own eyes. And here's what would happen. I'd close my eyes, I would sit there, and I would I'd visualize my phone on the coffee table in front of me at arm's length in real life, like it's literally sitting right there. And the, the alarm was set for 7 a.m., which is when I committed to go for my training run. And I would visualize and even hear beep, 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 beep. It was the alarm going off at seven. And then I want you to write down two words, mental rehearsal. This is what visualization is. This second step, it's mentally rehearsing yourself doing the thing that you need to do to get the result. So I'd visualize myself reaching out grabbing my phone off the coffee table and, and turning off the alarm. Then I would see myself getting up off the couch, walking into my bedroom closet, getting dressed in my running clothes, walking back through my living room, reaching out my hand to the front door, like one of those first person shooter games where you, you, know, you reach your hand out and you, you see it. And I would see it open the door. And then I would see through my own eyes, my sidewalk that I was about to go for yep. a run in. Then I would recite my affirmations that I recited about, you know, 20 minutes before, 30 minutes before. I am committed to completing 52 miles on October 29th, 2009. I am doing this to become the person that I need to be to achieve this goal, right? On and on and on. I would go through the affirmations while I got myself in an excited state, which I had done with emotional optimization meditation, right? These all just automatically, it's like, you don't even, I didn't even realize I was doing this until later when I went, wait a minute. These all feed each other and I didn't even know that, but I would see the sidewalk and then I would generate these positive emotions that would get me to want to go for that run that I would otherwise hate. And then y'all, this is how it played out in real time. And you can apply this to everything in your life that you need to do, especially the things that you resist doing, that you procrastinate on, right? When I was in sales, it was picking up the phone and calling prospects. I'd procrastinate all day. If I knew this technique back then, I would have mentally rehearsed picking up the phone at the exact time I committed to dial and making the calls and mentally rehearsed it in such a way that I was compelled to dial. Just like I was when the alarm went off on my phone at 7 a.m., think about it. My human nature would have been to hit snooze and go, eh, I, I could I could run tomorrow. I could always I could skip today, right? We've how often do we do that? All the time. But that's not what I rehearsed that morning when I visualized. So what happened is. You guys, it's almost like a robot, but in the best possible way, meaning, oh, 7 a.m., time to turn off alarm, walk into bedroom closet, get dressed in running clothes, walk out the front door, reach for the handle, open it up, and when I see the sidewalk, I would get flooded with these positive, excited emotions, and I would go for that run. And that's how visualization, you can apply it to mentally rehearse yourself doing the thing you need to do today to get yourself where it is that you just affirmed that you're committed to go. I have to play this out, but I want to keep you going. The big difference that you're talking about here is you're not visualizing receiving anything. You're visualizing doing the things that create it. Yep. And I think that is the big differentiator. And yep. where so many of us, they, we, we visualize to receive, but we don't do. Instead of visualize to do, that ends up as a result of receiving. And that that is the game changer I hope people are listening to is that 
you know, the the bad rap that visualization and affirmations get because it's about sitting back and, and manifesting and doing nothing to get it. And I'm visualizing all this money coming in my life. But how about visualize, pick up the damn phone because the phone is where it's at. Yeah. And there's a there's a sense of reality where it's not mystical and it's not magical. It's actually very tangible. And we are a human system that that is easily distracted. We're a human system that has competing demands on our resources, on time, energy, money, emotions, everything, and attention, that this is really honing in the, the human system to be optimal to perform in that day, which magically create these amazing results. Yeah. But it's not magic because you've honed in. I, I love, I just hope people hear that you're visualizing the action. You're not getting out of any work, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you're still yeah. having to work. You yeah. still had to run those miles. You didn't right. just magically show up at the finish line. You actually had to run them. Yeah. I love it that. Just, it just makes it that much easier when you mentally rehearse yourself doing the thing and it's an enjoy and you 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 don't rehearse doing it in a stressful, negative way, right? You just did your affirmations. So you already have the positive self-talk in your brain, right? You just did the affirmations. Now you're visualizing the thing. Um, I'll go through the last three really quickly. So S-A-V-E-R-S, we got silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. Exercise, it's not rocket science, but the point is you don't have to go to the gym in the morning. You don't have to go for a run in the morning. I'm talking about as little as 60 seconds of jumping jacks to get the blood and oxygen flowing through your body, wake up your nervous system, get rid of that brain fog in the morning, and get the blood and oxygen flowing to your brain so that you improve your mental clarity and your energy level. And in the new book, in the Miracle Morning, I mean, it was in the original actually as well, but there's a chapter called the Six Minute Miracle Morning that literally walks you through how to do the savers in as little as six, one, 60 seconds each, six minutes for an entire Miracle Morning. And, uh, and it, it is that simple. The R in savers is for reading. And again, there's not rocket science here. I'll just share one little tip I have. Uh, how many of you by show of hands have a family, a spouse, a significant other, kids, right, that you live with? So I have a self-imposed rule that I applied after I went through my cancer journey, which is um, I used to say family is my number one priority. But if you looked at my schedule before I got cancer, it was not you wouldn't it wouldn't have been, been obvious. Right. And I'm not perfect. There's still times where right now I'm in book launch mode. Uh, you know, I'm falling back into some of those old habits. I'll be honest. But one self-imposed rule that I have is I'm not allowed to read a business book until I've read a family book, meaning a book on marriage or a book on parenting. And that does two things for me every single day. Number one, the act itself reaffirms that family is my number one priority. I can't read a book on marriage or on, on business because that's not my number one priority. It's number two, family, marriage, or parenting. The second thing it does is I learn something new every day that I can either add to my affirmations and or apply with my family to be a better dad and to be a better husband. So that's the reading piece. And then the final S in savers is for scribing, which is a fancy word for journaling or writing, but the W or the J would have made the acronym awkward. It wouldn't have worked. So thank you, Thesaurus. And we got scribing, which uh, I love that because I'll, every day there's I teach a three-step process in the book. I write down anything I need to let go of that's you know weighing me down, it's causing me stress, fear, et cetera. What do I need to let go of? Get it out of my head and onto paper. And then number two, what am I grateful for? And I always put my hand on my heart and I close my eyes and I don't just write the gratitude. I let myself feel the gratitude for a good you know, 20, 30, 60 seconds. And then I look at my to-do list for the day as I'm about to transition from the miracle morning into my work day and I go, okay, I got 20 things on the to-do list. What's the number one thing 
that will move the needle in my life or business the most today that I will get done before anything else. And that helps me improve my productivity uh, and get the most important things done. And going back to what Robert Kiyosaki said, any one of the savers will change your life. When you learn how to do all six of them in one neat, tidy routine, anywhere from six minutes to 30 to 60 minutes, right? It creates miracles in your life. And I mean, I think there are millions of people that can attest to that. What I'm loving about what you said there around gratitude, there's a lot of research around gratitude right now that, that now we know based on where gratitude is in the brain, you cannot experience stress, anxiety, or sadness when you're truly, the key word is truly experience gratitude. And too many people dupe, they try to dupe the system. They, they say, well, I do my gratitude practice every morning and, yeah. and they say, okay, well, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. And they just kind of check the box or, yeah. you know, and it's easy to kind of do that. But there's a there's an actual feeling that you have to feel when it comes to gratitude. And for me, it's the only way that I can experience gratitude is to to process the potential loss of something and create that piece. But that's one way of doing it. And then, but whatever way that you get to, you're actually feeling the gratitude. And if you can get to that place, it does become one of the most magical states of mind that you can be in. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And gratitude, there's a new chapter. So the new, the new edition of the book, there's 70 new pages of content and two new chapters listed on the front here. There's the miracle evening and the miracle life. Um, wow. And the miracle evening is your strategy for blissful bedtime and better sleep. Raise your hand if you struggle either falling or staying asleep. Staying. Yeah, I found it's a lot of us. I went through a period in, in 2020 where I was sleeping two to four hours a night for six months. It was after three years of chemotherapy. And if you ever slept two to four hours in one night, you're a wreck the next day. If you do it for six months, you might, I, I was suicidal. I, I was in the worst space. I was, I was hallucinating. Anyway, you're probably not in that, well, hopefully you're not in that bad of a place. But basically I relentlessly researched the best sleep strategies that I could find. I hired a sleep doctor on and on and on. And that this chapter was realizing that people are struggling with sleep. Uh, and so I wanted to create a, it's a seven step bedtime routine that sets you up for blissful bedtime. And then the second bonus chapter is the miracle life, which is your path to inner freedom. And it's basically teaching how during my car accident, my cancer, it's one thing to be able to say, I chose to be the happiest, most grateful that I've ever been while I was being told I would first never walk again and second die, right? It's like, okay, yeah, but how do you get there? Like you can't, you, you say it, but how do you get there? And so I really wanted to share that. And that's what the Miracle Life chapter is all about, is how do you choose your optimal mental and emotional state, even when you're in the midst of the most difficult time in your life or just on any given day? This is so good. Folks, if you haven't yet, please click the link. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge everybody here to not just buy one copy for yourselves. I want you to think of five, maybe even 10 people that you can gift this to. If you feel like this is a gift, and being able to start your day off this way and have it listening to this directly from Hal. And if you're feeling that sense of motivation, that sense of, of obligation to, to, to make it an improvement, how can we share that? I mean, to me, I look at this one, I want to help a friend get his book in front of as many different people as possible. That's why we're taking our energy time resources and, 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 and devoting to this. I want you to think, who can you gift this to instead of just buying one? Can you think of five people, 10 people? I mean, these books are, what five to what's 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 a book 19 bucks so 10 people would be 200 bucks 200 decision to send it out it's christmas time who can you put this to if you got clients that you work with imagine walking and starting a meeting saying hey i got something after you do that i want to give this to you and you sign the book over to them 
this letter, this book changed my life. Imagine just that, starting that as a, as a piece. So I want to just challenge you. It's not pressure, but a, a challenge to say, how can we get this into more people's hands? And today though, this is the, this is the thing as an author, when you're writing a book, it is a timely thing. And so for, for this to get the, 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 the looks that it need in, in today's highly distracted world, we all need to come together and do something. And this is what I'm, I'm challenging you guys. Don't buy just one, buy five, buy 10, buy as many as you can comfortably afford. Yeah, Renee, I want to, since you brought that up, thank you. I so appreciate that. And I do believe it's one of the best gifts you can give to somebody. I mean, it really does transform their lives. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, everybody. I so appreciate your support. And Renee, so appreciate you, man. Absolutely. And and uh, again, thank you to Isaac for putting us all together. Folks, I, I have notes upon notes here. I have known about this process, yeah. but it is different when you hear it from the author, the, the thought leader themselves, because there's just a different passion for it. And I think you know, as we're going into 2024 and we're thinking about what's new and the the the, the beautiful opportunity to, in our minds, start over, start fresh and to, to, to make new decisions, to bring new things into our life. What a great way to to do this, to start our day right, to start our day in, in with an intentional focus of the right state of mind, start our day with gratitude, start our day with a sense of focus on what's going to happen in our business, in our life, and a sense of priority. All of this is action oriented. I love everything, single thing that was said here. And so again, I'm going to challenge you. We did this so that we could help launch something that is good. I personally believe when I find something good, I put my energy behind it. This is one of those things that I'm putting my energy behind. And so I want to see, hopefully, if you feel the same, that's the best way to do that is to think of five people to 10 people that you can give this to. And there's really no way to lose on this one, folks. I want to thank all of you for for being here. And if you're listening to this on the podcast version, you know, you may not have gotten the presale, but you can at least buy the book. So I hope you do that. Uh, how, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Uh, MiracleMorning.com, y'all, is the hub. You can contact me through there. It goes to my team, of course. But also, MiracleMorning.com, you can download the free Miracle Morning app, which has 2,000 five-star reviews in the app store. People are loving that app. You can watch the Miracle Morning documentary for free. So the app is free. The movie is free. And uh, you can join the Miracle Morning community, which is a Facebook group with 350,000 people in it and that, that really wake up and support each other every day. So thank you all so much. I'm so grateful. Al, you're a blessing to all of us, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, Isaac Stegman, for 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 putting us together. Love you, Isaac. Thank Thanks, brother. Yeah. And thank all of you for showing up. Thank you all of you. I've seen a ton of people making pre-purchases here. This is fantastic. And you guys are, are phenomenal. Let's do more of this stuff this next year. Let's keep let's keep helping each other out. Let's keep giving things with, uh, without any expectation. And uh, let's make 2024 our best year yet. And if you listen to this and you're watching this, please like, subscribe, follow all the wonderful things. Follow Hal Elrod and my man. Until the next time, thank you again. This is great. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit meetrene.com.